Let's stand and take our Bibles tonight, if you would, uh, Revelation chapter 10, Revelation chapter 10. So good to see a lot of you here tonight on New Year's Eve and uh, to, to celebrate the passing of one year and the entering of a new year, so we're thankful for that. Revelation chapter 10. If your neighbor next to you doesn't have a Bible, would you be kind enough to share your Bible with them, help them find their place? Matthew, it's good seeing you back. I want to, but Matthew, good seeing you back. I want to, are, are you over jet lag? A little bit? Okay. Well, be ready Sunday. I'm going to ask you to give a report Sunday about the trip to Sri Lanka, okay? You be ready for that there, okay? Amen. He just got back from a two-week mission trip to Sri Lanka. We're thankful for that. Good team that went out to see our missions over there, so praise the Lord for that. Revelation 10, are you there? Amen. Excited about a new year? Amen. Happy New Year's to you. Amen. Well, Happy New Year's to you, too. <laughs> so depressed about a new year, are you? You just want to stay in 2019. <laughs> Revelation 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth, and when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the scene upon the earth, he lifted up his hand to heaven. And he sware by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein. Notice this phrase that there should be time no longer. When John received this, it was somewhere around close to the time of three and a half year mark of the seven year tribulation. This turmoil in the world during the first three and a half years of the great tribulation. But Israel's led into a lull in thinking that everything's fine. And God's now given John another revelation, these, the seal judgments, which we'll talk about and preach on when we go through the book of Revelation. He's giving a manifestation, a revelation to John here. And this mighty angel has his hand lifted up to heaven. And as the Bible says here in verse 6, as he swear by him, he's swearing to God that liveth forever. He's just claiming some things from God. And he makes this remarkable statement to John that you and I don't fathom. He saw a revelation from heaven, and he said to him that there should be time, no more. We don't understand that. We live in time. But things were in motion to go into eternity. There is no time in eternity. Amen? Amen? Eternity is forever and forever. When Jesus stepped out of eternity, he stepped into our time. He stepped into a world. Time came about because of corruption in the world. If there was no sin in the world, we wouldn't be talking about time. And he makes a statement that there should be time no longer. What would you do if you, told, you were told you had no more time? What would you do with your life? What would you do at that moment if you're told there was no more time? 
We've read the scripture. I want you to see a video in a moment. We're going to pray. I want you to see a video for a moment. Then I want to get right to the message tonight. And I trust that you'll just let the Lord speak to your heart this evening as we consider the, time, the message, Time's Up. Father, bless the message tonight for your glory. The only thing I want this evening is that our minds and thoughts are focused on you. Lord, we need you in a really bad way tonight. And some of our church families need you more than probably others. But help us this evening to think about the thought when time is no more. We ask your blessing now and your help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
passage tonight, the Apostle John is given a revelation of the judgment of God. It's a great tribulation time. John was exiled on the island of Patmos, and as God was given these revelations, which we read about in chapter 1 there, there were just astounding things he saw, and we have a record of what's going to happen in the future. By the way, I'm thankful tonight we don't have to worry about the future because we know what the future is all about, amen? We have it recorded here right in the Word of God, and sometimes you get engaged with people about who worried about the future, just walk them right through the Word of God there. And the angel says something in verse 6, he said that there should be time no more. Now, in a fun way, we think of time no more uh, as, as something we use in contests and athletic events. See, uh, a couple Sundays ago, and I think we've done it every, every other Sunday or so in the, in the Heirs Together class, they've done a great job of just having kind of an icebreaker before we get into the lessons. And they, uh, Brother Aaron's come up with these ideas where they basically ask a bunch of questions, and they have 30 seconds or so to answer these questions. And as soon as, as soon, and they're right on it. I mean, they've got the timer going, and as soon as they hit that 30 seconds, they go... Time's up. You know, how do I turn this off, brother? Okay, it turned off. And uh, so we're familiar with that. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you think about athletic events. They tell you, you know, you've got so many seconds to go and, you know, and you've got uh, for timeout. And after that, the buzzer sounds and time's up. Or you think about in a wrestling or boxing match where the contestants go at it for a certain amount of minutes in a round. And, and just when, about the, when the round's over, they hear the ring of the bell and then it's over there. You know, we understand the concept of time being up when, it's, when things are over. But imagine with me no longer living in time as we have it when there's time no more. And more than just a, a message tonight about time management, I want us to think about this evening, what, what, what is life going to be like? What is life like when there is no more time? What happens when there is no more time? I want you to see four things tonight about that concept. Would you, would you notice this tonight? Number one, I want you to consider with me the function of time. The function of time. Now, believe it or not, all of us have been given the same amount of time. What we accomplish with that time is dependent upon what we do with it. All of us have been given the same amount of time. Life is time Time is life. The moment you're born into this world, the clock of life has started to tick away. Two little babies were born just recently. The clock of life has started to tick away. Time is how we define what, where, and how we spend our life. Let me say that again. Time is how we define what, where, and how we spend our life. Uh, Arnold Bennett said this in bits and pieces. Time is the inexplicable raw material of everything. With it, all is possible. Without it, nothing. The supply of time is truly a daily miracle, an affair genuinely astonishing when one examines it. You wake up in the morning, and lo, your purse is magically filled with 24 hours of unmanufactured tissue of the universe of your life. It is yours. It is the most precious of possessions. No one can take it from you. It is not something that can be stolen, and no one receives either more or less than you receive. Moreover, you cannot draw on its future. Impossible to get into debt. You can only waste a passing moment. You cannot waste tomorrow. It is kept for you. You cannot waste the next hour. It is kept for you. When we think about time this evening, the function of time, we have seasons of time. We have, we have, uh, we have for instance, we use things, we talk about the fall season and the winter season and the spring season. We have seasons of time. 
We, we define time as we had a wonderful time together. We define time as it's a busy time for us. We define time as sometimes it's downtime for me. We define time as sometimes it's idle time. And sometimes we speak about wasted time. And then there's, for some of us, there's regretted time. And then for some of us, there's lost time. There comes a moment, though, when there is no more time. When there is no more time. To the parents of a newborn baby, they make the most of their time with their baby. I've encouraged Erwin and Kat, make the most of the time with your baby. I've encouraged John and, and Nicole, make the most of your time with your baby. To a child playing and having a good time, this is fun time that they don't want to see end. Uh, to a businessman, time is money. To a student, time is about the next study, about the next test, about the next project. To a surgeon, time is helping someone in the surgical room to get well. To an athlete, time is the difference between a win and a loss. To a person going through a trial, time can be excruciating and very painful. To a preacher, time is souls and eternity. What time, what is time to you? Solomon said to everything, there is a time. Solomon said time and chance happen to all. Moses said, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What is time to you? What are you doing with your time? What did you do with your time in 2019? What happened with your time? When you go back and recreate the traces and the steps, what happened? What went down with your time? David said, my times are in thine hand. Peter said, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. God says, the time is at hand. Pericles said this, time is the wisest counselor of all. Someone else said this, a fellow putting on his uh, pulling on the oars hasn't time to rock the boat. We understand the function of time. Every one of us has the same amount of time. What are you doing with that time? Secondly, would you notice the second thing tonight? We see the function of time. I want you to consider with me the fleeting of time. Time is, there's the, there's the brevity of time. You know, when I, was, when I was 30 years old, I thought being 60 was very far away. Now that I'm past 60, 90 doesn't look so far away. It looks pretty close right now, all right, you know? It just, it just seems a little bit closer than I used to be. And, uh, you know, when you think about those things, it's just a little bit different. And I try not to think about those things because I'll get very discouraged for a little bit there. But I also realize my mind might say I'm 21, but my body says it's not. I realize I, don't, I can't eat the same, the same quantity as I did before. I realize that I can't run as fast as I did before. I realize that I try to lift as much as I did before, but I realize there's just some limitations that are there. But time is fleeting. I looked at today, some of you are like me, you get up really early in the morning, you start early, you just kind of feel like some days, I think I need to get up an hour earlier just to get more done, and you've, or I gotta stay up an hour later to get more done. For me, hour later doesn't work by about, about a 10 or 11. My eyes start to droop, and I just realize I just don't have the concentration power like I normally would have, and I've gotta get up a little bit early in the morning to do, that, do things. But there's a fleeting of time. Go with me to James chapter 4, and let's be reminded what James has to say about that. The fleeting of time. It says, James said in John, James chapter 4, verses 13 to 14, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go on to such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now that's us, right? He, we, you know, we, we just said, well, I, I planned out my year. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for next week. And I've talked to some of our church members. A number of you have already, have already got plans for traveling this coming year in 2020. That's great. And you've got vacation plans and travel plans. And you've got some birthday plans. And we've got maybe a couple families, a couple 
couple couples in our church are going to be celebrating their, their 50th wedding anniversary this year at the church, and that's going to be great. And, you know, those are wonderful things. There'll be new birthdays, and some of you newlyweds, you, you know, you, nothing's gone wrong in your wedding yet, in your marriage yet. Everything's good. And I always tease the newlyweds. I like Carl and Cindy. I'll say, are you guys still talking? When James and Natalie got back, I said, are you guys still talking? You know, and I like to tease them about that. And everything's fine. They're, they're all immaculate. They're sinless. Their husband doesn't sin. The wife doesn't sin. Just wait. Give it a few more years. You'll find out, all right? And uh, you'll find out the reality there. But, you know, you look at all those things, and they've got their plans, and, you know, they're thinking about, you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to go on, and, uh, and they plan, plan out their projects. And he says, go to now. You that say today or tomorrow will go to such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. But he said in verse 14, he says, go to now. He says, I want you to consider this. He says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. What a thought. Life is like a vapor, a puff of smoke. That's what David said in Psalm 38. It's like a puff of smoke. He said, my days are like a hand breath. The hand breath is like that. I mean, it's an astonishing thought to think about our life that is just so quickly it goes by there. And life is like a vapor that's here for just a little time and then vanishes away. And if we could just grasp the thought, being here in this life is just a little time, it makes a lot of things that we turn into mountains very trivial and very non-consequential. And it helps us to realize that we cannot allow ourselves to get over-emotional and over-anxious about things and realize we've got to just take one moment at a time. Our time in this life is very brief. Our time with each other is very brief. Our opportunity to do things for God is very brief. Carl Sandburg said this, time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have and only you can determine how it will be spent. Be careful lest you let other people spend it for you. I'm just saying tonight, we misunderstand the brevity of time. Hey brethren, this is the last service of 2019. After midnight tonight, we're in a new year. 2019's history. 2019's gone. We're not going back there. Whatever happens, happened. We're now in 2020. And we're all going to be looking at being a year older. And some of us may not even be here a year from now. I mean, we just have to deal with the reality of what's going on there. David knew time was brief. He said, he said, he said in 1 Kings chapter 2 to his son Solomon, I go the way of all the earth. Solomon knew his time was brief. He said in Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Young people, remember God while you're young. Remember God in the days of thy youth. You young married couples, remember God in the days of your youth. Remember your creator. Remember every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of light, to whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Hezekiah at age 39. How many 39-year-olds do we have? We have quite a few people in their 30s right now. Listen to this. At age 39, realize his time was brief when Isaiah came knocking on his door and he said, set thine house in order, thou shalt die. What a startling statement to get, to have someone knock on your door, to have the preacher knock on your door and tell you, set your house in order for you're gonna die. Jesus knew his time on earth was brief when he said, my hour is now come. Peter knew his time was brief when he wrote in his epistle, all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. Paul knew his time was brief when he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Brother and sister in Christ, time is fleeting. Time is a melting ice cube. When you take that ice cube out of the freezer and you set it down on the table at room temperature, you cannot stop the process of that ice cube melting. You cannot stop time. You cannot turn time back. You cannot reverse time. You cannot make up for lost days. You cannot make up for lost time. You cannot make up for lost things you, that you should have never said or things that you should have said. You cannot make those things back up. Time is moving even when you and I are not. Time is still going on. Tonight you and I are going to go to sleep. Time's going to keep on ticking away. Time's going to keep moving. 
moving. The clock is ticking way forward while some are still trying to hold on to the past. Time is fleeting. We see the function of time. We see the fleeting of time. But notice quickly tonight, I want you to consider with me the finish of time. The angel said, through divine revelation, that there should be time no longer. When John heard that, he said, Eternity's at my doorstep. The world's going to change. Things are going to be different. The angel was saying, Time's up, John. Time's up. The buzzer sounds. The game's over. The bell rings. Boxing match is over. The buzzer goes off. The timeout is over. Time's up. When time's up, there's no more time to say I love you. When time's up, there's no more time to say, to exercise forgiveness. When time's up, there's no more time to let go of bitterness and the bondage of sin. When time's up, there's no more time to to dedicate your life to the Lord for Christian service. When time's up, there's no more time to win souls to Jesus. When time's up, there's no more time to win your loved ones to Christ. When time's up, there's no more time to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust does not corrupt. When time's up, there's no more time to obey God's will and to go to the mission field. If you're thinking about going to the mission field, you sense God has his hand upon you, you better surrender now and get to the mission field. When time's up, there's no more time to obey God's call and to serve him as a preacher. When time's up, there's no more time to give that offering to God that you're supposed to give. And when there's time's up, there's no more time to give that, those tithes that you backlogged, that you decided that you vacillate on giving to God. Time's up. When time's up, there's no more time to say, to, to, to say to, to, there's no more time to settle petty differences. When time's up, there's no more time to win lost, lost ones to Christ. When time's up, there's no more time to help advance the cause of the church. When time's up, there's no more time to, uh, for the sinner to get saved. When time's up, there's the judgment seat of Christ for the saved and the great white throne judgment for the unsaved. Hey, when time's up, it's over. When time's over, it's up. When time's no more, that's it. There's no more. We're in the presence of God. Hey, listen, for you and I, when time's up, we're in the presence of God. Now, either you're saved tonight and you're going you're gonna to be with the Lord forever and ever, or if you're not saved, you're going to spend all of eternity in hell when time's up. Spurgeon said, now, now is the watchword of the wise. Seneca said, we are always complaining that our days are few and acting as though there would be no more end. Listen, when, when, when time was up for that rich man in Luke chapter 12, and it's very interesting, all the rich men that Jesus, that, that, that Luke recorded in his gospel there, there was a man in that Luke chapter 12, he used this parable about a rich man who uh, he decided he, he was blessed and his crops were flourishing and so he had a great crop year and he thought, you know what, this one barn I've got is not sufficient to hold all this. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger and he had a very prosperous crop year. He had a bumper crop year. He had all these crops and things. And he said to himself, So you've done well. Eat, drink, and be merry. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him when his time, at that time, He said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. What God was telling you that rich man, Time's up, sir. The time will be no more. I think on the other hand, of those to whom, the, when, they, when they reached that point where time would be no more, it was a time of victory. David Brennard, who died, at the young age of 29, and I'm going to give you young people a good, good book to read. Read the biography of David Brennard, who was a, who is, who is a missionary to the Native American 
Indians. Read about that man. Read about his prayer life. Read about what he did. Read about how he burned himself for Jesus Christ. That man was one of the few men that could pray in the bitter coldness of the snow and his entire clothing as well as his coat would be drenched with the perspiration from that man laboring in prayer. God help our prayer lives. We don't even do that when we're not, when we're, when we don't, we're not even a snow environment there. But that man who burned himself out, this is what he said before he left this life. He said, oh, why is his chariot so long in coming? I long to be in heaven, praising and glorifying God with the holy angels. When time was about to be no more for Charles Wesley, Charles Wesley said this in the presence of his family, I shall be satisfied with thy likeness, satisfied. John Wesley said, when time was to be no more in his life, he said, the best of all, God is with me. Hugh Latimer, one of our, our church forefathers, was a great man of God who was burned at the stake with Ridley. He said this, be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. Father in heaven, receive my soul. Listen, those men, those men, when they came to that place, when they knew time was no more, they were ready to meet their creator. They were looking forward, rejoicing and excitement, exuberance. Listen, I want to tell you tonight, heaven is not to be shunned. Heaven is to be, to be gained. Heaven is not something we should look at and say, oh, it's so woe is me. Heaven is wonderful. Heaven is the home of the saved. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where we'll spend all of eternity. Heaven is where there's no more sorrow and there's no more pain. There's no more tears. There's no more hurt. There's no more crying. There's no more fighting. There's no more wars. Thank God in heaven we're with Jesus and we're with the saints of old. And thank God we're in heaven. We're with God Almighty. We worship around the throne of God. If you don't enjoy worshiping God now, you better get used to it because that's what all we're going to be doing in heaven is worshiping God and singing the songs of Zion and rejoicing in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said as he was nearing that end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. There's the finish of time. If you knew today, Time would be up. What would be the last thing you would do? What would be the last thing you'd say? And yet we're going to leave church tonight. We're a little bit moved right now because it's a very, it's a very, it's a very sobering thought. We'll go through our festivities. Be wondering what everybody else in the world is doing. And in 24 hours, if we're not very careful. We're going to treat time the same we walked into church. We're going to treat time the same we walked into church. We see the function of time. We see the fleeting of time. We see the finish of time. But notice the last thing tonight. We're going to let you go home a little bit earlier. I want you to notice the filling of time. I want you to end with me on a positive and proactive note tonight. Because you know what we have left as of right now? Time. Amen? That's the most important thing we have right now, is time. I want to give you three thoughts as we close out how to fill your time up. How to make the most of your time. Number one, would you write this down? Romans 13, 11. Realize, number one, it's high time. High time means you give your highest priority to now. You give your highest priority to now. Paul told the Romans, he says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time. Not tomorrow. Now. Now. If you've got a sin to confess, now is high time. 
You've got a wrong to make right. Now is high time because God's going to hold us accountable for that. You've got an offering to give. Now is high time. If you need to get saved, now is high time. You need revival. Now is high time. You want to serve God? Now is high time. You want to dedicate your life to Jesus Christ? Now is high time. He says, now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. You know, when you're sleepy, it takes a lot to jar you out of your sleep, doesn't it? And some of us more than others. When you're sleepy, it's just kind of like, you know, earthquake could happen. It might not wake you up there. Some of us are like that, okay? But the truth of the matter is, he says, hey, we've got to wake out of our sleep. We need to get, up, we need to get of our spiritual uh, uh, slothfulness and lethargy. In verse number one tonight, realize that it's high time. Second, 1 Peter chapter four, verses one and two. First, realize it's high time. Second, we must follow what Peter said here to live from this moment forward in the will of God. And look what he says here. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Now remember, he's writing to believers going through suffering, persecution. They were ostracized from family members. They were suffering. Economically, they were suffering. They were displaced from their jobs. They had to relocate to other areas. Some of them were homeless. Okay, homelessness is not a new thing. They were homeless. They were in situations that were suffering. And they weren't complaining, but he had to tell them in the previous chapters to realize that's how God's grace works in your life. When you go through suffering, listen, we're not going to experience, we're not going to understand God's grace in our work in our life unless we go through periods of suffering. That's what he said there. And so you get to chapter 4, he says, now I understand that. He says, but as Christ armed himself, suffered for in the flesh, he said, arm yourself, prepare yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know why God puts suffering in our life? To get us out of sin. To get us to him. We need to welcome him with loving arms and say, thank you, God, you know better than me what I need. And then he said this. He said, for, that he, has, for he, has, that he that has suffered the flesh has seized from sin. Then he said in verse two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Now if you go to verse three and four, he talked about the will of the Gentiles. And he talks about how our life was before we got saved. We were party animals, that's what he's saying there. We were living for the pleasures of this life and lasciviousness and things like that. And I'm not saying that any of you are living lascivious or not, but be careful, be careful that you don't get yourself in a party mode and get yourself to, you just want to enjoy all the pleasures and you want to see all the sights. I said this the other night and I didn't mean to be mean about this, but you know what? God didn't call us to go see the world. God called us to go win the world. God called us to win the world. The worldview we have is, I, I thank God for the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower, and thank God for the beautiful cherry blossoms. But I'm going to tell you tonight, thank God tonight, there are need, there's a need for missionaries to go to those places to take the gospel to those people there. And I'm just saying to you this evening, he said here in verse 2, that we no longer should live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Now you need to study tonight 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, to get the right perspective. How are you going to live the rest of your time? You, can't, you cannot relive the past. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to go forward. How are you going to live the rest of your time? If you go through normal actuarial tables, you look at what your, what your age is right now, and you look at the actuarial tables, they'll tell you, well, we estimate based on people like you, you'll live to X, X period of time, whatever there, and, uh, you know, whatever that may be, and, you know, I don't, I don't worry about that because my times are in God's hands. It doesn't matter how healthy I try to be and all these things like that, my times are in his hands. 
God knows what we need. God knows what's there. He let John Halsey live almost 90 years of age. I'm glad we had him preach for us. He let Ray Thompson live for a number of years. I'm glad he let that. I'm, we didn't get to preach, but I'm glad I knew about that man of God. I'm glad about some of these men of God who built great churches and did great things. Some of them, like Dr. Roy Thompson, went home early at the age of 70, 75. I mean, he'd done great things for God. I mean, really, the state of Ohio in fundamental, in the history of fundamentalism, he was, he's really the bedrock behind all that. He was a hard preacher, but he was a great man of God. And listen, a lot of things that happened there for the old Cleveland Baptist Church happened under, under that, that man's pastor. And then he retired from the church and went over to the Philippines to help Brother Lorena and work over there. And, and God just started blessing over that. And then he gets diagnosed with leukemia, of all things. The year after he got diagnosed, he died. And I'm just saying tonight, God knows, God knows, you know, and I, and I just tell you this, when we go home, God wants us home more than he wants us down here. And we think about this, he said here, whatever time we've got left, we've got to live the rest of our time to the will of God. Now, if we're living to the lust of men, you know, there's a conflict there, because we're telling God, you don't tell me, God, how to live my life. And the will of God is the best thing for your life. The will of God is perfect, amen? The will of God is good. The will of God is acceptable. Well, you don't understand, it hurts. Well, it hurts because you're comparing it to the flesh. <laughs> we got two different worlds. We got this world and that world. That world's forever. This one's gonna burn. It's gonna burn. Read First Peter, Second Peter 3. So we need to realize it's high time. We live the rest of our time in the will of God, that finally we need to redeem the time. He said in Ephesians chapter 5, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise. You know, I, I, the more, Pastor Agent, the more I read Ephesians 5, the more I'm in Ephesians 5, he tells us in Ephesians, now listen to this, this will help you for your new year. He tells us the basics in Christian living that help you succeed. For instance, he says, he starts off chapter five, Ephesians chapter, verse one, he says, be followers of me as I am of Christ. And then he says this, walk in love, even as Christ loved us, and gave himself as a sweet smelling sacrifice unto God. He says, walk in love. Later on, then he talks about, about light and darkness. He says, walk in light. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. He's saying, you know what? You've got to stay in the light, get out of darkness. And some of us need to get out of the darkness, get in the light, amen? And then he goes over here in verse 415. He says we need to walk circumspectly. That means with caution, with carefulness, with prudence. Don't waste your time. Some of us waste our time. You, hey, boys, all the boys out there, get rid of your cell phone. Stop wasting your time playing games. And some of you men, stop playing games. Be, be men. Quit your being men. We don't, you don't need a church filled with gamers. We need a church filled with godly men. Amen? See them walk circumspectly, not as fools. Plan your life carefully. Walk circumspectly as wise men. Redeeming the time. And you've heard this so many times. Redeeming the time means you count every second. And you buy up those opportunities. You realize today, please understand this tonight. As a church moving forward... It is not but what each of us does individually that's going to make the church go forward. 
It's realizing that as we add our hours together, I need people to help give more hours to my day. You can help me give more hours to my day. I can get more things, we can get more things together done to, for, the, for the glory of God. It's not about what the pastor does. It's not about what you do. It's what we do collectively that advances the cause of Christ here in the Bay Area here. We have an area, this is one of the most darkest areas of the world. This area needs Jesus Christ, Amen. This area needs the gospel. This area needs some light to shine. We need to punch some holes in the darkness. But we're, we're going to try to do it individually, going off and doing our thing and trying to blaze our little rabbit trail over here. Yeah, you'll make a little bit dead here and there. But when we synergize together and cooperate together and work together, you can help add more days, more hours to my time, and we can do things more uh, productively. Think of what can be accomplished for the glory of God. A preacher was waiting in line to have his car filled with gas before a long holiday weekend, kind of like on New Year's Eve. And this is one of those days, this time when they, they had a full, full service, you know, they're back in the day, believe it or not, before self-serve, they used to have attendants that would wear a little hat and a uniform, they'd fill up your gas for you, and they'd, they'd, they'd clean your windshields and check your oil and all that stuff. And some of you kids are looking at me, they're what is that? You know, all that pastor. But I remember those days growing up, that's what they used to do. They'd check your oil and check your tire pressure, and, and that's back in the days when gas was 29 cents a gallon. I wish those days came back, amen? Oh, God, revive us again, amen? You know? And finally, the line subsided, and the attendant said, hey, preacher, go over there. You can, we'll get you filled up over there. And this guy, this back in the day when the attendants were very respectful, and they, they believed in customer service, and he said, he said, hey, preacher, I just want to say, I'm sorry about the delay. It seems as if everyone waits until the last minute to get ready for a long trip. And the preacher laughed. He says, I know what you mean. It's the same in my business. Everyone waits to the last minute for that long trip. Let's live the rest of our time to the will of God. Let's buy up the opportunities by walking circumspectly as wise, not as fools. Let's realize now is high time. Tomorrow's not high time. Right now is high time. Learn how to budget your time. If you're very, very, if you're, you're undisciplined in, in managing your time, please come see me. I'll help you to develop a strategy and plan in managing your time. Walking down. Some of you guys get up in the morning and you just kind of let the day go on. You can't live your life that way. You can't live your life that way. You've got to have purpose for your life. You have to have purpose for your day. And if you're getting up, you're getting up too late in the day, you need to change your day and get, get, start getting up early. Jesus got up early in the morning. Every Bible character you read, they got up early in the morning. Or morning's your best time. Begin your day tomorrow with your devotion time with God. You want to redeem the time? Get your Bible out. Get a notebook out. Get a pen. Read your Bible and start taking notes. Look at that chapter you're reading. Is there certain words that recur many times? What's he talking about? Read the chapter before to understand what's he talking about, this carrying over. What's the principle or number of principles that he's talking about there? Is there something in that chapter you're reading that correlates with another passage of Scripture? You want to read that. You want to let the Lord speak to you. And don't try to read between there. Put away the commentary. You don't need a commentary to understand it. You just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Forget the commentaries and all the other stuff. You let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And then you take that, you write that down, and realize there's more to be gained. There's more gold for you to gain. And you know what you're going to do? You park there and then get on your knees somewhere and you pray and say, God, I feel so inadequate in God. And just spend some time talking to God. And you just put your prayer list aside for a minute. And you just adore God and you love the Lord. And you need to spend some time telling God on January 1st that you love Jesus and you love him so much that you, you, you'll do anything he wants you to do. And you decide that while you have your devotion time, there may be some sacrifices you need to make this year. You're willing to 
sacrifice him and pay, pay the price for Jesus and just have a wonderful devotion time and walk with God tomorrow. Listen, if you've got football planned, all this stuff, that's great, but have your devotion before you do that. Don't have your devotion now. Have your devotion before that. You say, well, i got a family dim sum tomorrow. Great, have your devotions before that. We got ham, ham tomorrow. That's fine. Have your devotions before that. And I'm not against having your devotions in the evening. I'm for that. But I found in most cases that when people say they're going to have their devotions at night, it's mainly because they put everything else ahead of God. I wasn't born yesterday. Get your devotions right with God. Only God. Only God. When we have that mindset, and our heart set, we're going to treat time a lot differently. Manage your time. Don't idle away your time. I mean, if nothing else, do like a, a preacher friend of mine. He's just, he, for his health purposes, it's from six to seven every morning. He does his walk. He goes up these hills, gets his heart rate up about 140 beats per minute, walking up that hill. It's a pretty steep hill. Comes back down the hills, does it again. He's got his cell phone with him. He's got his, got his Bluetooth on, and he's listening to his Bible. When God speaks to him, he stops there. He stops a moment. He prays. Turns his Bluetooth back on. Starts walking again. He lets God speak to him. I said, hey, can you concentrate? He said, I've disciplined myself to concentrate. He doesn't waste time. He's in his car. He's, if he's not making phone calls to church members, he's listening to the Bible. The news is always the news. It's filtered. It's subjective. It's biased. It's what they want you to hear. This is the news you need. It's good news. It's good news. My prayer for you, have a great, great 2020. I pray that we'll all finish 2020 together. I'm praying Jesus will come in 2020. We better love his appearing. Paul got to the end of things. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Keep the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me, not to me only, but also to all them that love his appearing. I understand we've got pressures. I'm probably, of all the congregations I've preached in, this is probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest working congregation of people that work many different, I've seen a lot of people here tonight that have swing shifts, that are off tonight. I'm glad you're off tonight. And graveyard shifts. And I'm looking at some members tonight that 12 hours in a day, that's probably their, their average day. And working through weekends. But you know what? They're faithful to come to church. They're in God's house. They make the time for God's house. But as soon as they're out, out of here, it's not that their mind changes. They just, get, they just carve the time. They've disciplined their time to do what they need to get done there. And I commend you for that. But this coming year, Live the rest of your time to the will of God. Not everybody's called to the mission field. Please get, get me, hear me right. Not everybody's called to the mission field. Not everybody's called to full-time service, but everyone's called to be full-time Christians. We're all called to be full-time Christians. And what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5, Romans 13, and what Paul wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, 
That's for all of us. That's for every layman here tonight. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your energy in the wrong places. Life's too short. Don't, don't hold bitterness and anger and wrath and all this. It's, life's too short for that, please. I look at some family members I've had in the past who have done that. It's just, it's just so sad. Don't, don't be a church member like that. Don't be a Christian like that. There's no, there's no place for that. Because, you know, one day someone's going to look at you in, the, in that casket and they say, man, I wish that person didn't live their life like that. Don't live your life like that. Don't, don't go out. Don't go out better. Don't go out bitter. Go out better. Go out blessed. Go out blessed. And tonight, when time's no more, when time's no more, how will it be said that you lived your time? What did you do with your time? Teach us, O Lord, to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And when Moses wrote that, he was 90 years old. It coincides with Psalms chapter 90. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Give your time to God. Trust him to manage your time. Let him show you how to discipline your time. Use your time, the rest of your time, to the will of God.